you're wondering why it's dark or things don't work like the way you think they should, it's because lightning struck the building. So if you're sitting in the front and it's good and loud, it's bad. I'll move back a little bit. Sounds pretty good back um, let's see. Just, I want to make sure we're all on the same track. Our Sunday night classes start back tonight. And we've got the uh, parenting track, which is going to eventually transition over to Stinky Faith. But Jared's asking all of our junior high, high school, and bridge parents to come for just these first three weeks. Uh, he's going to try to share with you what they're going to be doing in the student ministry. That way you know what your children are learning and how can better be uh, engaged with that. So I encourage you to come. Um, if that's not you, we've got a few other offerings. We've got a women's prayer group that's meeting, a men's class that's in the book of James. And then we've also got, we're going to start these rotating two Sunday seminars, where for two Sundays we're going to just talk about a topic, uh, kind of in more of a workshop type format, where you'll be able to come and ask questions about some things and uh, I think for this first set of semesters, these first sets of weeks, we're going to talk about prayer. Tonight we're going to talk about prayer. And this morning we're going to talk about prayer, uh, kind of how should I pray in more general types of terms. And then tonight in our two-Sunday seminar, it's going to be more of the, the nitty-gritty. The, the how can I make that happen a little more tangibly? How can we put these things together in our lives? Um, so if that's of interest to you, that's going to just be two weeks and we'll be done. And after that, I think we're switching into fasting. And then I think we're switching over to service. Um, that, that last thing. Tonight is prayer. So if, if today you're thinking, man, this is good. I'd like a little bit more. Come back tonight for our two-Sunday seminar. And that will help, uh, hopefully, to fill in some of the blanks. All right. Also, today is the last and first day you can register for the women's retreats. Don't forget. Wait. Look for a pink table. All right. You know, as we were going through this series of frequently asked questions, um, a lot of them are, why should I? Should I? Do I have to? questions. Do I have to do that? Do I have to do this? Is that, is that something that's for me? Prayer, as I've talked to Christians, really is kind of universally agreed to. You know, most, most Christians will say, yes, we should be praying. But but it's not the should I, it's the how should I. Yes, I know I should, but I seem to wrestle with this a little bit. Yeah, I know it would be a good idea, but I'm having a hard time. Uh, you know we should pray. If you look at the book of James, James chapter 4 and then James chapter 5, you see that James kind of sets up this... Uh, almost like this, this kind of war that takes place. You, you've got two choices, it seems. In James chapter 4, it talks a lot about coveting, and now that leads to conflict. And then you've got grumbling, uh, and you've got slander taking place inside of that church. And, and if you follow kind of his line of thinking, he, he's saying, listen, if you don't really believe in God, or you don't think that God is going to work in the world, or you believe the world's kind of close to what God is doing, then coveting makes sense. Because we've only got a limited number of resources, and so what you have and I want, I want it, I'm going to fight to get it. And James says it even leads eventually to murder. Well, I'm going to get rid of you so I can have what you got. Uh, this is sort of this closed system where I've got to fight for myself. I've got to, anything's going to happen, I've got to do it myself. Uh, the other part is grumbling and slandering. You know, when something bad happens to you, you know, what do we want to do? We want to complain. It feels good to complain. It feels good to get a whole bunch of other people around us and complain to them, and they're on our side, and all of a sudden we feel like, you know, Man, we're united. 
the powers of, of thick-headedness and, and, and spread the world, and you just need to live by yourself. But it's not helpful. And often that's slanderous part of it. What's this person did? You know, that person did. And so James kind of paints this picture in chapter 4, but then in chapter 5, he, he paints a different one. He says, you want blessings? You don't have to fight for it. You ask for it. You pray for it. You're going through difficult times? You're struggling, you should look that up to God and see what it is that God will do for you. You see, prayer is that healthy mode of communication with God. And when we don't avail ourselves of it, we frequently end up doing things that aren't productive, aren't helpful, just lead to discord. And so let's just think about prayer. Let's just start with a basic question. When should I pray? Answer. Pray to You should pray regularly. Straightforward. Well, what do you mean by regular? Let, let me give you two times. Ready? You should pray in the morning and you should pray in the evening. Start your day in your bed. The book of Exodus, chapter 30, verse 7 and 8, we see that God uh, commands the priests to offer incense at those times. He says, at the beginning of the day, you offer incense, and at the end of the day, you offer incense. And it wasn't just an incense offering, but it was a time of community prayer. You come up to a loop. Uh, the, the priest Zechariah is in the temple offering incense. It says at the time of evening prayer. It seems that this was a time when the Israelites, if they were close to the tabernacle and then the temple, they would come to the temple in the morning and pray. They would come to the temple in the evening and pray. They would begin and end their day with God. I would tell you, I think this is a very healthy practice. It's one we see Jesus engaged in uh, throughout the Gospels. I look up every time the word prayer shows up in all the Gospels, and I found that Jesus is, is found most at two times of the day praying. Uh, one is late in the evening after he sends people away, and then the other is early in the morning when they're looking for Morning and evening seems to be Jesus' practice of prayer as well. And I will tell you from personal experience, it makes a big difference. Uh, often you wake up, by your alarm clock, and you look over the alarm clock, and you realize, my goodness, it's time to go. It's time to get up. And then when you start doing, you start clicking through in your mind. All the things that I'm going to get done today. Man, I, I've got to get this done before I get to work, because if I don't get this done now, then it's not going to get done until later. And once I get to work, I've got to get this done. And you start going through all those things you've got to get done today. The alternative is something different. If the alarm clock goes off, maybe the best thing you can do is just roll out of bed get on your knees in prayer. Maybe you want to sit up and go get some cup of coffee and have some time in prayer. And I know what a lot of you are thinking, but I don't, I don't have a time to I don't have time to pray for an hour in the morning. Nobody said that. Just struggle with five minutes. Yeah. You got five minutes? Yeah. Ten minutes? What do you It's going to take what you can get. Whatever you've got in the morning, give that to God. Give Him is to start your day with this. Same thing in the evening. You don't have to cut out all of your TV, all of your television, you don't have to get rid of all those sorts of things. You just put it in the bed five minutes early. I believe one of the, the, the best things I love doing in prayer at night is just spend some time and go through my day so scene by scene, moment by moment, just kind of walk through it. It doesn't take long, it doesn't take real long. But it's a chance for you to, to thank God as a God. Look, you did this here. Oh, Lord, you made this happen. You work here, and it gives me a chance to make up. It gives me a chance to also to reflect on maybe the things that I did that maybe I should have done, or I didn't do that I should have gotten done. I can leave those with God uh, through prayer. Uh, the thing is, say, God, listen, give me the strength tomorrow to wake up and do it. Start over and practice again. I'm telling you, just getting your day. 
times, I would encourage you to pray anytime you feel led, especially when you're in trouble. Now, that's kind of the one that comes naturally for us. Uh, but the book of James indicates that that's probably a good thing. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 2 says this. He says, My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete lacking in nothing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Uh, let's skip down to verse 12. Uh, Blessed is anyone who endures temptation. Such a one has stood the test. The same word as the trial word up top there. Uh, and will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. No one who tempted should say, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. And He Himself tempts no one. But one is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it. Then when that desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and that sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my Lord. Every generous act of giving, every perfect gift is from above. Coming down to the Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow of confusion shame. James here is pointing out really the two kinds of trials we face or tests we face in life. One is when difficult things come. When difficult things come, when things don't go our way, when when businesses are challenged and our health struggles and and family has discord and we have all these kinds of problems, it's a trial and it's a hard time for us. James says, you know, we go through these different times, endure. Why do you want to endure? Because endurance leads us to a place where we would be mature, complete, lacking in nothing. Uh, there's another kind of trial laid out here. It's a trial of temptation. A trial where I'm tempted to do something that is against the will of God. I, I'm perhaps tempted to not tell the truth. Now, I don't mind giving you 80% of the truth, but there's 20% I'd like to keep for myself. Uh, that's a temptation. Temptation when we see something that maybe we want, but we don't get it, and know that that's not right. There's a temptation that takes place. If we go down that road, and, and it says when you succumb to the temptation, what happens is, is it leads you to death. So you've got one way that leads to life, one way that leads to death. What's the difference? Right there, it says it's clear. Verse 5, if any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God. Ask God for wisdom. How does that help in the time of trial? Well, it gives you some perspective. You know, a lot of times we get in a trial like, the world is going to end if this does not resolve itself. And we may not say that, but we think it. We feel that way. And wisdom that comes from God gives us a perspective that says, you know what? There's a little bit more than this. You know, think about it like, like getting a shot. Nobody, nobody would choose to get a shot that you don't have to have. I mean, if somebody's running right here like, hey, look, Thank you, God. I really appreciate it. When your doctor comes to you and says, hey, listen, this is going to uh, you know, immunize you from, you know, all sorts of diseases. Well, I'll get that. That, that would be all right. What's the difference? It's the wisdom. It's the perspective. It's the knowledge that says, if I go through this unpleasant peace, it brings me to a Temptation is the same way. Even in the midst of trial, we're tempted to lean on our own resources and, and do it ourselves and make it happen. 
choice. One leads us to life, one leads us to death. Uh, and prayer sort of stands in the middle. Directing us back to God. Uh, I want to just tell you right now what the most important part of prayer is. Uh, those of you that are note takers, you should write this down. The most important part of prayer is. Thank you. 
you know that this person did that to me, and so next time they call, I don't have to come through for them. Or maybe I don't have to answer the phone at all. And we have this exact accounting in our mind of everybody that we do business with, everybody that we have a relationship with, and we know what they owe us and what we owe them. And that's how we deal. And at the end of the day, we want to know that our spreadsheet in our minds has sort of come out even, and we're going to sleep in positive numbers. The problem with people that are relationship accountants is that they deal with God in much the same way. They, they pray a lot like the Pharisee prays. God, look at all the things that I did. Look at how I'm not like a tax collector sinner guy over there. Look at all of these things. Yes, God, I did this bad, but consider all the things I've done good. And in our minds, as relational accountants, we go, see, and this adds up, and it all works out just fine. The problem is if I let God forgive me, then I've got to forgive you. Because now all of a sudden, the spreadsheet gets thrown out of whack. And there's no enough credits for all the benefits and all those other things that come together. The truth of the matter is when we forgive other people, we open ourselves to grace. And we get rid of the mental spreadsheet that we have. Alright, that's one thing. Forgive us in every second thing that shows up as wisdom and endurance. If you read through the Gospels, you do this at home, search every time that Jesus talks about prayer, you will find this thing shows up a lot. It shows a lot more than I thought it did. Um, Jesus is telling the, the disciples a lot. He says, listen, when you need to be praying, and you need to be alert, because the time of trial is coming. And so pray that you would be aware. Pray that you wouldn't get stuck in this. Pray that you would be delivered from it. Pray that you would know the sign. Pray that you would see these things. Church, I will tell you that troubles are going to come. I'm not being a pessimist. It's just the way that it is. And they will only take you by surprise if you fail to pray for wisdom, and you fail to pray for endurance. They may still be difficult to go through. But if you pray through the Psalms, you realize that trouble and problems and conflict are a part of life. But if we need this applying with wisdom and endurance, I think we'll pray there for there. Second thing here, how or third thing, how should I pray? Now, these two are kind of conflicting, it seems like. One is uh, in simplicity, and the other is in boldness. Uh, simplicity. Think about it this way. When you come before the God, the eternal, infinite, all-powerful God, we come with a little bit of humility. That's, that's a healthy way to come to We come with a little bit of humility. Jesus says, you don't have to make long prayers. God knows what you want. You don't have to drag this out and make it long. Argue your case. Just lay it out there for God. Make it simple. The way that the sinner, not the Pharisee, prayed in Jesus' parable. Where he said, God, I don't know how to pray. Just have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus says that man wants to just when we pray in simplicity, and I think that is more effective. Uh, the second way we're to pray is with boldness. Uh, Hebrews talks about how we can approach the form of grace with confidence because of the work of Christ. Uh, James talks about people being a friend of God. This is really the way that we are. We can pray as a friend of God. We can pray boldly, we can pray confidently, as Elijah did uh, in the end of James chapter 5. It says, uh, verse 15, it says, The prayer of faith will save the sick, the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who's committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah, a human being, just like us, prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. You know, we read this a lot, but have you ever gone back to read the prayer of Elijah for the prayer of Elijah in 1 Kings sounds something like this. It goes, Hey, King Ahab, 
He said it rain for three years because God's got Israel and you're neglecting him. We'll see you later. That's about how it goes. Let's quit. But this prayer thing why? Because Elijah is praying for God. Remember, God is almost praying through Elijah. They're in tune with each other. It, it makes us think of what Jesus said at the end of the Gospel of John when he says, If you abide in me and I abide in you, then you can ask whatever you want. And God's going to do When we pray in line with what God is doing, it has explosive and powerful results. We can pray boldly when we pray as a friend of God in line with God's will. Right, let's practice up here with this last question. Why should I pray? Because God wants to respond to us. You know, this, is, this is probably the number one question. If God already knows what I want, then why do I have to ask Him for it? Let's look. Jesus answers that in Matthew 7, verse 7. He says, Ask it will be given to you. Seek, uh, search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who receives and everyone who searches finds and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. I love this because it says when you come knocking in prayer on, on heaven's door, God doesn't say from inside, who is it? Who do you want? I'm busy. You knock on the door, God's not inside, look at it. The rest of the Trinity gone. Five minutes. 
just start there, okay? If you're already a, a real fervent prayer, you've got a good habit, uh, take this with you, uh, tuck it in your Bible, and bring that out during your, your time of prayer, and I think that you will find that to be a helpful way to inform your uh, prayer as you pray to the church. So that's the challenge this week. Simple. Pray. Let's pray. Let's be people of prayer. And let's start now. Why don't you pray Gracious Lord, we come to you confessing that we can probably do a little more than we can in prayer. That we can be a little bit more about you in our prayers and a little bit about us. So Lord, this week, as we, we give it a shot, we pray that you would expand our hearts and our minds to make room for more of you. That you would draw us closer to you. That you would allow us to hear your voice. That you would allow us to see your work in our lives and the lives of those around us. God, we be people of prayer. Your disciples said, Lord, we don't really know how to pray, but you teach us to pray. God, that's our prayer this morning and for this week. Would you not teach us how to pray? So your son's pray. Uh, we come down for our song decision. And for us, this is a time to prepare your heart for communion. So I encourage you to do that. Sing and pray and to meet with God here today. Others of you perhaps have a decision to make. God's doing something in your life this week. We need to make a decision. We need to do something public. If that's the case, we'll let you go. You've got to receive Christ. You've got to commit to this church.